0: Hello and welcome to Delving Into Draft. My name is Craig and I'm one of your hosts. Joining me this week is... Steve! This is episode one. Now before we start talking about this week's news, we'll cover the ways you can get in touch with us. We have a Tumblr page from where all information is dispensed. You can find us at delvingintodraft.tumblr.com. We're also on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash delvingintodraft. You can email us at delvingintodraft at gmail.com. And finally I'm on Twitter as at ravak underscore, which is... At R-A-V-A-K underscore. Anyways, the first news is that Pro Tour Return to Ravnica has just finished. That was just uh, last weekend, and it was a mixture between Modern and the Return to Ravnica booster draft. And the winner was Stanislav Sivka, who was playing a second Sunrise slash Eggs deck. Now, I would love to go into what that is, but saying we're kind of a drafting podcast, and I'll leave that uh, for you to find out yourself if you weren't watching. I highly recommend watching the final, because it's amazing, and Sivka's deck is summing unique.
1: i have to say I've I've played against an Egg's deck before Craig and it is brutal.
0: It is pretty brutal. Turn 2 win, turn 3 wins. Pretty crazy.
1: If you don't have the counter for the second sunrise, you're toast pretty much.
0: Which is very appropriate saying you're playing against Egg's. Yeah. Anyways, um, what is slightly more relevant for our drafting format is that uh, Modern Masters was announced during Pro 2 Return to Ravnica. So this is going to be... um, The additional product, which is normally released in the summer, we previously had Arch Enemy Commander and Plane Chase. This is going to be 2013's uh, summer additional product. It's a 229 card expansion, which is exclusively of re-prints, from 8th edition to Alara Reborn. So this is from the beginning of modern to uh, three, four years ago. Um, There's going to be some new tokens included in this, which we haven't seen in print before. Some of the reprints are going to feature new artwork. The the boosters are going to be the same, so you're going to have 10 commons, you're going to have 3 uncommons, and then you're going to have a rare or a mythic rare. There are no basic lands, however the basic land slot is going to be replaced by a foil. So every single booster will have a foil. Um, Boosters are going to be $7 as opposed to the normal $4, so they are more expensive. This is because it's a limited print run, and these are also only going to be available in English, although they will be shipped worldwide. Furthermore, the boxes are going to have 24 boosters rather than 36. Uh, this is just because of the increased price. Um, it is completely draftable, if you wish to use it for that. And so far we've only had one, uh, card which has been announced. And this has definitely been, I think, one of the most screamed after cards being reprinted in modern, which is Termigoif. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's got new artwork. You can see it, I'm pretty sure, on the Magic website and elsewhere. Um, but this is the first thing we've been announced. We probably won't hear much about it, seeing it as coming out in summer. And, uh, you know, we haven't even started seeing previews for Gate crash yet, and we've got another set after Gate Crash to go, so... Um, yeah. Probably won't hear about this for a while, but this is definitely going to make Modern more playable. And uh, seeing it's draftable, it's kind of of relevance to us, but, as I say, we probably won't hear much about it for the next few months.
1: Just out of curiosity, Craig, which um, card would you prefer? Would you prefer the Future site version of Tarberg or the this edition in the normal kind of frame.
0: Yeah, this was something I think Aaron Forsyth mentioned on the stream when he was announcing it. I would much rather have the Feature Sight because Goyf, yeah, so because <laughs> like, the frame looks cooler. Like, I really like the Feature Sight frames. Um, and also it just says, you know, I had the original. Because this Tremor is obviously in the modern framework, so the art looks different, the card looks different.
1: And it's got a little cheesy uh, mythic symbol. Which didn't exist. That's that also mid- true.
0: Uh, one thing I didn't mention, yeah, rarity of cards have been shifted. So, like, when Termogoyf was released, there was no Mythic. And now it's been moved up to Mythic. So, rarities are not going to be the same as the last time you saw them, necessarily. Some things have been moved up, some things have been moved down. Termogoyf is up to Mythic because everybody and their cat wants one. So,
1: so does that mean anything that's over, like, 20 or 30 bucks is going to be Mythic? As an individual card, do you know, like, Dark Confident, what do you think, Mythic?
0: I I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, the other thing they're going to have to be aware of is if they just bring out all of the classics, then everybody who's got like a place at a terminal is going to be pretty miffed that it's gone from however much it is to like a quarter or of their cost. However, this is a limited run. Like this is one of the things they're trying to avoid. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But no, we'll ha- we'll have to wait and see. But that was a that was a pretty big announcement. Um. The next thing which is coming up is the Magic Online Community Cup. That's starting today. We're recording on Wednesday. Uh, It runs until Friday the 26th. Uh, This is a community chosen team, chosen elected team, uh, is going to be playing against Wizards of the Coast in a variety of formats. They're going to be playing Return to Ravnica Sealed. There's going to be a cube draft, and the cube list hasn't yet been announced. There's going to be a Ravnica Unified Constructed, which means they're using... It's a constructive format using Ravnica, Guild Pack, Ascension, and Return to Ravnica cards. And then finally, there's a multiple Wacky Draft. Ooh! Now, we have no idea what this is, but there's going to be, <laughs> be live coverage, so you should be able to get that on their twitch.tv slash Tour one we presume, if you want to watch it live. And um, anybody who logs in between downtime on Wednesday, I'm not entirely sure what that is, but to be honest, you're listening at this after Wednesday, so and until 5pm Pacific Time on Friday. Hopefully the podcast comes out before then. Um, You'll be eligible for prizes which will come out from the Community Cup. Now if the Community team wins, everyone's going to receive entry into a Phantom single elimination draft queue. If you play it, then you'll get a promo... Mwolvuni Beast Tracker I'm not sure wow, you
1: wow I really want one of those Uh
0: However <laughs> If you win your draft You will get a return to Ravnica Booster Now you may think Well that's not a very good prize pill But to be honest You're getting in a free draft And then You're getting Something for nothing effectively
1: Well you're getting An imaginary Something for nothing
0: It depends <laughs> What you think of Magic Online If you think that's yeah. Proper magic or not but
1: oh, Of course it's proper magic Of course it is
0: just imaginary cards.
1: Yeah, they're imaginary cards. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> yeah. Should Wizards of the Coast team win, and I don't think they have yet, which is just putting more and more pressure on the current team, everyone's going to get a special version of Sorrow's Path, which um, Marrow recently announced is the worst card in Magic. And apparently everybody should be preparing themselves for getting a Sorrow's Path, but um I'm sure, I'm sure our team will win.
1: I, I, I kind of I'd rather have a Sorrow's Path than, uh, tracker. <laughs> tracker's rubbish. It's but not you, rubbish, you, but it's not exactly exciting.
0: Yes, but you get a free draft, and you get the possibility of getting the return to Ravnica booster. Surely so that's better than just getting a card. Because yeah, you don't get the draft okay, with the card. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you know who's on our team?
1: No. I do you know. Please tell me.
0: Um, we have John Louks from Limited Resources. We got Neil Talbot, who's also known as Wrong Way Go Back. We got Jesse Smith. Uh we've got Heath Newton, uh Jackie Lee, who I'll be mentioning later, Conley Woods as well, and then Walter Kolinsky and finally James Turner from Loading Ready Run and they're the same guys who are deciding what this wacky multi bowl draft thing is, which I'm sure we'll hear about later. Um so those are our eight. I'm not gonna go through the uh Wizards of the Coast team, they printed their list, it's like forty people. Hmm. Like it, this is not this is not like a fair thing. This is like they just they just put everybody in. And.
1: Oh, is it like Arch Enemy then? <laughs> you know, beat the evil, evil wizards team. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. I'm sure we'll see a lot of this in the coverage. Um I'll certainly be watching some of it when I get the opportunity. Yep, yep, me too. Me too. Right, I think that's all the news. Um, so, we shall move on to our first regular feature, which is called Name That Card. Uh, it's basically where, um I'll pres- I'll tease out a card and see if my other co-hosts can guess uh what's going on. Um Steve, I'll give you a choice. Would you like a card from M13 or Return to Ravnica?
1: Oh, I would prefer a card from Return to Ravnica, I think.
0: Okay, I've got my player's guy in front of me. Um Okay. Okay. Uh, I have myself uh creature, right? And it's a 4/3. Four, 4/3. Three.
1: Four, three. Hmm, I'm thinking green.
0: Um, converter mana cost is five. Uh huh. It is a beast.
1: Oh, it's definitely green. Okay. Four, three, beast for five. Um.
0: Shall I continue?
1: No, 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 no. I'm trying to think. Ah, oh, God. Ah.
0: Oh. Do you want me to tell you the color just to confirm the video? Yeah, of... the next color. Yeah, it's color. red. It's red. Oh, it's oh, not okay. green. It's red. Ah, oh, the big, uh,
1: hasty guy. No, it's a 5-4. Uh, oh, right, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it, I'm gonna get it, I'm gonna get it, I'm gonna get them. Oh! Was it 4 you said, or 5?
0: It is a 4-3 four, four, for 5. For 5? It is 4 and a red.
1: There's a big tramply guy here that's a 4-3, isn't there? Yeah, there is, there's a big tramply giant.
0: But that's not the one I'm thinking of, I think of the other 4-3. <laughs> and also, uh, it's a giant, it's not a beast.
1: Oh, I so see, you lied to
0: me! <laughs> I said it was a beast, it's not a giant.
1: My oh bad. yeah fair enough, fair enough. Okay. I'm just trying, there's one that destroys an artifact.
0: Yes, when this card enters the uh, build you destroy target artifact Oh!
1: It's, uh, see, I always remember this is like, it's like, uhm, Batterskull, but it's not Batterskull, it's Batterhorn, isn't it?
0: It's batter, batter, Batterhorn. Batter yeah, Horn, I got
1: there in the end, Craig, got there in the end. That's quite a good card, that. It's not bad. It's I, okay.
0: mean, I mean, art stuff. I mean, there's not many artifacts, but, you know, everybody likes key runes and everybody plays key runes. If yeah. They can.
1: I like the little sword.
0: Well, plus, is,
1: this one, the big plus one sword, yeah. Yeah. Plus zero
0: sword. I haven't had an opportunity to play with that yet.
1: Yeah, oh no, that's brutal, you're playing
0: pretty aggressively. Although I do like Chromatic Lantern.
1: That's served me well yeah. a couple of times. Yep, yeah, true, true. Do you want me to, uh, to tease one out of you then?
0: You are more than welcome to <laughs> go on then. I can try. Craig. Double feature.
1: Okay, okay. So, we're looking at an enchantment, Craig.
0: This is a Return to Ravnica, yeah? Yep. Okie dokes. Three mana. Okay.
1: And it's... Well, Joe, I'm going to go through the flavour text first, because the rest is a bit of a giveaway, I think. Okay. So the flavour text is, if you're looking for it, it's available. The question is, how much you're willing to pay?
0: This is Underworld Connections. (laughs) damn it! (laughs) I'm sorry, sir. I remember that card well.
1: Yeah, it's a good card. It's a good one.
0: It is definitely a good one. Yeah. your own personal Frexian arena.
1: You are when it doesn't hurt you when you don't want it to.
0: Indeed, which is good. Your friend. Right, um, let's move on to the personal topics. Would you like to start, or should I kick off proceedings?
1: I suppose I could start off. Okay. Yeah, uh, all I always want to talk about was uh, the the draft deck I did on last Friday. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it was oh, I kind of went into the, dra- the draft like knowing what I was wanting to do, in this particular deck is what I was wanting to draft, because I'd seen the cards in the spoilers, and i thought that uh, it would be an interesting thing to try, and what I'm talking about is the Psychic Spiral and the Chronic Flooding, using them together, basically. And what happened was, I went into the draft thinking to myself, I kind of want to be blue and green, because the, the blue cards that I was wanting to use were the mill cards, like... Uh, the doorkeepers and, uh, chronic flooding, obviously. Mm-hmm. But the doorkeeper works off having defenders to, to, uh, make them better. So some of the better defenders I thought were in green. So you get like your ramp, uh, gates and stuff. Was it the gate creeper vine and?
0: The arc spain guardian, I think.
1: Arc spain guardian, that's it, yeah. And, uh, basically the plan was make a quick controlling deck, put chronic floodings on my own lands, mill myself, all the time filling up my graveyard with um scavenge creatures to scavenge onto my other onto my other attacking creatures to keep the pressure on my opponent. And then psychic spiral myself for the win to mill my opponent out. And that was that was the plan I had going in and I kinda thought I wanted to play green white uh well, green green blue, splashing because I thought that would could pair up with either colour. But when I opened my first pack I ended up with a hypersonic dragon and I was like, Oh well, Green, blue, red. That's not bad. And, uh... So the draft pretty much went according to plan. I got a psychic spiral in the first pack, and then I didn't get another one. I got a few chronic floods and, oh, and I got a code- codex shredder as well, which is another kind of like, a key component for getting things back that you've accidentally milled away. Yeah. You know? Definitely. It's also kind of like a, a, a tutor. Basically, you go, oh, well, I'll just have that then that i will just milled away. And, uh... But by the end of the draft I ended up with uh, a Deadbridge Goliath and a Merc- Mercuro Chemster. Yeah. Which was all pretty good. And, uh, so I ended up with a pretty aggressive deck that, uh, that milled pretty effectively. It was good. I think I milled for the win two or three times.
0: Not terribly bad. I mean. Not terribly bad. Maybe beating I've with, um, the Hypersonic Dragon and the Deadbridge Goliath.
1: Yeah, I, I only managed to get one Psychic Spiral and one Codex Shredder. So, I mean, it was... It could have been better, you know, it could have been better, but... Ah, it was still fine. It was good fun. Yeah. Yeah. What I found in the games that I did really well, and were the games where I was able to put the pressure on really early on the board. So, like, my opponent's attention and removal was spent on, like, um, the heavy beater creatures. And all the time, the, the mill creatures were kind of just working away in the background and getting ignored, because it's, kind of, ah, it's just milling me a couple of cards. But you really need to... can you You can't just rely on the psychic spiral, because... The, if you just mill yourself and psychic spiral your opponent, your opponent's still gonna have some cards left. You need to be attacking their deck as well during the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, you kinda need to be keeping it a secret almost. Like, that, if your opponent knows that's your plan, your, your, um, uh, your mill cards, so your doorkeepers now are gonna get persecuted <laughs> heavily. But, best, yeah, if they're just sitting in the back quietly working away, then, uh, it's not so bad.
0: Yeah, I, I was seeing that in my uh online draft where they were using removal on doorkeepers as opposed to creatures which are actually beating them down they could deal with. They are more scared yeah. of being milled than they were of actually just their life total being at risk.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it's a deck, it's a good deck. It's a shame yeah. that we got the one psychic spiral, but...
1: It actually wasn't that bad because in the course of milling yourself you, it usually ends up in the graveyard and then the codex shredder gets it back or you hit the codex shredder I mean, it'd be better with, bo- with multiples either, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But,
0: uh, just I suppose of, extra security.
1: Yeah. But I don't think you want to... You know, I think it's just a nice wee surprise in, in the, the tail of the deck. So, basically it was a, a blue control deck, which had big monsters in it, which could kill quite effectively. But also had this nice little trick at the end, you know. So, yeah, I was quite happy with it. I think I'll probably draft it again, to be honest. Okay. If I can, Yeah. Yeah, cool, right?
0: <laughs> I guess I'll move on to my topic. Yeah, which is just it was just brought about after, uh as I say, last Friday's draft. There was a player there who, um, for maybe a couple of weeks now, I've been seeing making bad rule plays. Like they're not they're not quite getting the rules, and they're doing sort of the wrong thing. Like stuff like playing a shock land and taking two damage, even when they didn't use the mana for anything. Like. They were misreading the card and just thinking you take two damage when this comes into play and trying to use a key rune straight off the bat uh, as a creature and attacking, it's like, no, that's got something sickness. Um Yeah, yeah, yeah. Misplays like this, like uh, my topic's about learning the rules. Like if anybody is trying to get into magic or is just like starting out and they're they're not entirely sure about the rules then I wanna cover a few of the ways which you can get better at the rules because it's a bit weird saying that some Magic players don't know the rules, but it's true because there's a lot of rules. I mean, the rule book is something like 174 pages or something along those lines. It's absolutely huge. And most of the time, you can ignore most of the rules. And even professionals, when you see them play, use a lot of shortcuts when they're playing. And if you're an inexperienced player, then maybe you don't realize they're taking shortcuts, but there's a lot of things going on in the game. And uh, the more rules you're aware of, even if you're just skipping them for the most part, which I think happens in most games, you know, you don't pass priority at every single step. You know, it, it's good to be aware of the rules because otherwise you're going to make technical mistakes and you're going to lose games. and You're going to get frustrated when things don't go the way you think they should, because you're not wholly aware of how things are meant to work. So um, I've got five different things I wanted to mention, and they're not in any particular order. Although the first one is read the rule book, like, it sounds silly, but I would say like some people just don't know the rules. Like, um, they don't know like how the stack works or stuff like that. They don't know the difference between instant or a sorcery. Um, they don't know there's a second main step or something like that. So the first thing is you should just read the rulebook. It's available on the Magic website. You just go to www.wizards.com/magic. Uh, there's a new to Magic section. You can find the rulebook in there, and this is just the basic rulebook. It gives you a good overview of how the game works without going into too much depth. I would not advise a new player trying to read this 174-page tube. You really don't need to know that much. Um, Like, I'm a rules advisor. I didn't need to know that much. I didn't go through that word by word or anything like that. But it gives you a good idea about how to play, just clarifying what each of the steps are, how creatures attack and block, um, when you can play spells or when you can't play spells, just stuff like that, just the essentials which you really need to know how to play. The second thing is um, the jewel, of the Planeswalkers computer games that Magic have been releasing, if you're not aware of them, you should totally look them up. They've been produced as sort of a good way of introducing people to Magic and also teaching them rules whilst being generally fun just for anyone, I would probably said. Um, you get fixed decks, you're playing against AI so you don't have to worry about embarrassing yourself in front of someone if you're not entirely sure what's going on, like, you're going to be losing to the computer and that, that happens, so there's no embarrassment there. Um, they're excellently uh, presented, it makes it very clear what's going on um, and they're good learning tools.
1: Yeah, I mean I suppose you put in their magic Online as well, like Magical Online's a really good tool for learning because it really breaks down all the steps of a turn for you yeah, no, in-
0: that, that was something else I was going to mention. Mag- Magic Online is another good place to go. Now, it's it's not like Jewel of the Planeswalkers. They're, they're both on the computer, and you can count them both as computer games. But Magic Online, there's no AI to play against. You're playing against other people. And these are people from all skill ranges. And um, the game is very technically tight. Like, if you don't know the steps, like, if you pass priority or the wrong place, you may not be able to play your cards where you think they are. Like the interface is a bit arcane. It's a bit hard to learn. Like it's not terribly clear. And even professional players make misclicks when they misread stuff on the game. But it will tighten up your technical gameplay. You understand all the phases, you understand when you're able to do stuff and when you're not. You understand how different things on the stack react. Um, but I was I wouldn't I wouldn't advise a new player to delve straight into magic online. I would probably go read the rulebook, play Jewel of the Planeswalkers, or just play Magic and Paper Magic first, to be honest. But it would tighten up your technical gameplay, for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, another thing is to watch videos. You can find them on tons of Magic websites. If you just search for Magic the Gathering videos, I'm sure you get tons of results. There's draft videos, there's constructed videos, you can find people streaming online on stuff like twitch.tv, um, they may they are they're unlikely to be very good tutorials, they're not like likely to tell you like what each card does and how things are interacting, but if you just watch how they play, you're gonna get a better idea for the cards. And if you watch a draft, uh if you ever get into drafting, you'll get a good idea of how good different cards are and how people evaluate them and they'll explain like what the different cards sort of do in certain situations and it gives you a broader understanding, I think, of both uh how to play the game and what the cards which are currently relevant are doing.
1: I guess it's really interesting when you watch uh, professional players online playing, and they're they're playing the same cards. You know what I It's the same set they're playing, but from player to player, the style of play changes so much. Like you'll get people who are really aggressive players, and people like who are really like at heart control players, and how they use even the same cards differently. Uh, it just it's just pretty. It's pretty it's a testament to the game, I suppose. So you know what I mean? It's like uh oh, what am I trying to say?
0: There's a lot of different ways to use yeah. cards, and they they definitely open your eyes to some of the different ways you can use them.
1: Yeah. Just, just the different styles you get for the, from the, watching different people, you know?
0: Yeah, indeed. Like, everybody's got their own way to play. There is no one unified way to play, but uh, this opens your eyes to how to use the cards in ways you may not have thought of or you may not have seen before, and um, it's good to get another perspective on the game.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Like the, because the, the generally, they'll tell you what they're thinking at the time, and, you know... You generally you won't get your friends telling you that whilst they are trying to beat you in a game
1: yeah although that's uh, one advantage that your friends have over you over like uh, Magic Online or even Joseph Planeswalkers is that your friends will tell you when you've done something wrong like say oh well m- maybe you shouldn't have tapped your land in that order or maybe you shouldn't have played that guy before you attacked or whatever you know stuff like that you don't get that sort of feedback on like Magic Online or computer games you know Like, playing against actual people makes you a better player quicker, I would say.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's one reason I haven't put play against your friends on this list, and I think the problem is, again, with this player, which almost sort of started me off on this, I think he's been taught some of the rules by his friend, or by his friends, and his friends have got it wrong in some places, and the other thing is, I mean, I don't know what sort of friends you have, but the chances (laughs) are, If somebody's trying to teach you a game, it's because, you know, they want you to play because they want someone to play against. But the point is, they want somebody to play against and they want someone to beat. They want to, you know, invite you in so they can thrash you generally. (laughs) They want you to have fun. That's not
1: true. Come on. People
0: aren't that bad. Uh, okay. Maybe (laughs) I've got the wrong sort of friends. (laughs) Maybe. uh, or maybe I was brought around the wrong sort of friends. But, you (laughs) know, I I was getting top merit in while playing against a modular deck. They're sickening. I'm pretty sure a lot of modular cards are banned in, like, modern.
1: Yeah, I think and... what you find in a lot of groups of friends is that there'll be one person who is, uh is recognised as the guy that's clued up on rules. And if in that group the person that's the clued up guy has got stuff wrong, then the whole group just accepts that that is the way you play it. Mm-hmm. And you can end up with some really sort of inbred kind of, not even house rules, just misinterpretations of the rules. Yeah. Like I remember, I remember we I mean we used to play for a long time just uh, just amongst ourselves as our we group kind just pretty isolated. And uh things like uh, protection abilities. So we we always used to play protection from a colour or from whatever it was, just gave you protection from it, blanket. It wasn't like you know like natural rule is it's protection from being targeted from or taking damage from. But well, we just we just had our, our way of playing it was, couldn't be interacted with in any way, shape, or form. So it's like, ah, wrath of God. Oh, my guy's got protection from white. Ah, oh, damn it. You know, and that's the way we played it for forever, until we actually got out and about and started playing other people, you know?
0: Yeah, and it's perfectly possible that this wasn't, like, intentional trick. It was just a misreading of somewhere and then everybody else got taught it and that just is the way things are. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not, it doesn't have to be a malevolent thing. Although I think some people will be. Some people will not tell you things just so they can beat you. I swear there's people like this. Maybe it's just the people I know. Maybe I was brought up in a rough part of town. Or something like that. <laughs> where we play Magic by street rules. But um, <laughs> I, I would potentially say... Have you, well, playing with friends is maybe, maybe should be on the list. Because I'm sure they're probably going to be people we play with the most. Not a percent sure they're the best people to learn the rules from. I would say going to your local store or going to your local Friday Night Magic is potentially a better place.
1: Yeah, I would say to play in as many different places as you can. Like, meet different people from different groups and you'll soon figure out if you've got rules wrong. Because they will be pretty sharp in telling you. You know? Yeah.
0: They're not going to let you do things. And to be honest, if you turn to a local gaming store, they probably want new players and not in the same way as Your friends, potentially one new players. They they want you to come because they want you as customers, and they want people to come to the store, and they want you to tell your friends to come to the store. They want you to have a good time. Yeah. They're not wanting to beat you. The local like the local store manager isn't going to sit there across the table from you and try to beat you or something like that. He wants you to come and enjoy yourself and spend money. So, and chances are the other players also want more people to play against at any rate. Yeah. So I think going to the new story. I mean, you're you're going to find people which will help you out. I mean, they're not like they may still crush you. <laughs> but they're going to explain to you, like the reason I crush you is because of this, this, and this, and you'll know for next time, and then you'll be better, and it'll be more fun to play against you next time because you'll be a better player, and you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Although some store uh, some store owners can be pretty competitive magic players themselves. <laughs>
0: you know? I suppose this is true. I suppose this is true. Yeah. So watch out for them.
1: Yeah. So the top two top tips for learning the rules were read the rules. Yeah. Play Jules of the Planeswalkers.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if you don't have the money to buy it, I mean, it's available on PC, it's available on Xbox, on PS3, and on iPad. Now, you don't have to buy the game, there are demos, and the demo's going to at least give you some practice. I mean, it's yeah. worth a shot for no money, so. <laughs> um, yeah, then it's also watch videos, play Magic Online, you can also play that for free, you don't have to sp- spend money on that, you can test out some of the pre-constructed decks there.
1: Guys, Finally, d- do you not stop to buy the uh, the package to start with? not like a thirty quid package to start with.
0: I'm pretty sure there's a free trial. You can just play. Oh. Or you get some pre-constructed decks which you can only play against other people who are on a free trial. But
1: oh, see, I, I seem remember when I started, it was maybe on a like tenner. You paid your money and you got you got like a pre-constructed deck and you got a booster pack and things like that. And then you could play in that area. There's maybe
0: I rem- I certainly know. If you buy an account. It costs about that and. You get something called Planeswalker cards, which are got gold borders. Yeah. And that's a special separate thing, which you can only play against other people using those cards and not sort of like the proper cards you can play with, but yeah. I'm pretty sure there's a trial, there's a free thing where you can just play without having to pay. Yeah. Could be wrong. Potentially that's changed since I signed up my account. It's been a year or so, but
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can pretty much play for free anyway, as long as you have a, a deck of cards.
0: And then, uh, finally, go to your local store, your local Friday Night Magic. I mean, you're going to play against... You're going to probably find more people than you have friends to play with, in all honesty. And uh, they're going to teach you the rules. They want you to come back, and they want you to enjoy yourself, and not just get crushed by them every week. Although, who knows? Maybe there's may just one person there who just crushes everybody every week, and you'll just, <laughs> yeah. you'll just have to join the group of trying to become second as opposed to first, but, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, so um, I think that's pretty much my... Topic covered. I mean, I don't want to actually go in and start teaching the rules because we'll be here for no. quite a while. And, yeah,
1: exactly. That could yeah. take a while.
0: Yep. <laughs> right, Um should we move on to our second regular feature?
1: Okay, let's move on to our second regular feature, Craig. What's um, it
0: called? It's called Boom and Bust. So um again, each, each week we're going to be picking a card which we think has, which has risen in our estimations and a card which has kind of fallen uh probably based on like how we've seen it play effectively. Um do you want to start or shall I start? I mean Uh you you bash on Craig, you bash on. Okay, so um the card I want to talk about uh which is my boom card boom um, is uh doorkeeper, <laughs> which is uh to two drop zero four, It's a defender and you may pay three mana and tap it to cause target player to mill x cards where x is the number of creatures with defender you control. So we were previously talking about the Mill deck, and I um, I was also playing um, the Mill deck, effectively, on Magic Online, and this is a good little card. Like, this is kind of what make Mill work, because you can't just sort of rely just on Psychic Spiral. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't
0: know if you can fully rely on Chronic Flooding. I never actually played with any of those. I never got any of those, but... um,
1: Yeah. I, I mean, do- what I like about Doorkeeper is he's just got, like, this thing where... If the board stalls, you've still got a way of having a threat just ticking away there.
0: You know what I mean? He does something. He's not just a wall and sits there getting hit. Yeah, yeah. Although, to be honest, because he's got four toughness, he does actually take the hits from quite a lot of things. Like, three sort of seems to be the middle ground for a lot of things. Like, you know, your centaurs, which you create, have three power. There's a lot of things which just have three power, and this just—it it doesn't care about three power. Now you got four yeah. power, it will start crying. But three doesn't really care. It will just block <laughs> your guy all day long, and your center can just hit into it, and he'll just be like, "Nope, not getting through here." So even if you're not using him for mill, which if you got the mana spare and it's the end of your opponent's turn, then why not? Then he—he d- he does stop quite a lot of things.
1: Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, he's pretty decent. So did you not think he was
0: very good to start with? I thought he was okay, I just didn't realize how good he was. I didn't realize, I, like, when I was reading through the sets, I knew Mill was sort of sitting there, but I wasn't wholly convinced it was a thing. Yeah. Like, maybe it was a thing which, you know, is going to get built on in Gatecrash, and that's for, like, the Simic Guild or something like that. Not the Simic Guild, the Dimir yeah, Guild.
1: Yeah, Dimir, um, yeah, it's probably more like Sorry. one. Sorry.
0: So I was, because, undoubtedly, there's cards that return to Ravnica, which are more for guilds in future sets. Yeah, and I was thinking maybe this mill is here because it was—I don't know—if a, a photo felt spread around a bit and it was maybe spread too thin on the ground. But nah, to be honest, it's—it's it's a deck. You you get your doorkeepers, um, you get elder defenders in whatever colors they need to be. Your chronic flooding and your psychic spiral. Um, I'm not sure if I'm missing out another key card, but to be honest, that's, you, you just sit there and do that, and yeah. you, can, you can mill them out, and good times are had by all.
1: Yeah, and it's fair to say that he's just good as a two-man of zero four.
0: Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying this guy's first pickable. I'm saying he's risen in my estimations, which is a different thing. I don't want anyone to think, like, this is the nuts. Like, if you get Jason Doorkeeper, you know, you need to think about it. I'm not saying anything <laughs> like that. I'm just saying he's better than I thought he was, and yeah.
1: Yeah, so uh what's the card that has fallen in your esp- estimations, then,
0: Um, This is Oak Street Innkeeper. Uh, that so the green one. Yes, uh it is... Let me just double-check. It's a 3-drop. It's a 1-2, and it says, as long as it's not your turn, tap creatures you control and have Hexproof. I mean, there's not much Hexproof going around anymore. That used to be quite a big thing in M12, and...
1: There's one Hexproof guy, isn't there? There's a big mean, beastie guy, isn't there?
0: But there's, there's not... There's one creature with Hexproof, I think, or maybe there's two. And there's a couple of cards to give Hexproof, but... It's not a big thing, and there's not a terrible amount of cards, which I don't know. I don't think I don't think hexproof is that good anymore. I don't know. Like, what it like with overload, it doesn't care about hexproof for a start. And yeah. then, not, I don't. I like. I don't know. And it's, it's also tap creatures you control when it's not your turn. It's yeah, like,
1: I think I think this is the main problem with it is that it's such a weak body itself. It's getting the actual innkeeper tapped without yeah. getting killed. Yeah, that,
0: I mean you know? Yeah, yeah, the the, the doorkeeper uh, sorry, not the doorkeeper, the innkeeper is very weak to removal itself. Because if it's yeah. attacking, it's probably dying. Two toughness uh most things probably can do two damage. I mean the doorkeeper doesn't, but the doorkeeper's also not targeting the innkeeper, so they're they can yeah.
1: Yeah, I yeah, mean it, like If it was a 2-1, not a 1-2, it'd probably be better, but still probably wouldn't be worth 3 mana.
0: Yeah, it's just... I I don't know how good Hexproof is. Like, I know there is quite a lot of Sorcery Speed removal. It's actually a bit harder to find Instant Speed removal, potentially. Like, Dreadbore is Sorcery Speed. Yeah. Um,
1: But, I mean, no, this is only going to be Sorcery Speed stuff that it affects. Because it only works during your opponent's turn.
0: Yeah, so, as I said, there's not much Instant Speed removal. Is sort of what I was saying. I don't well, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe there is. Maybe it...
1: I'm just saying that instant speed removal would be better against this guy.
0: Well, instant, speed, instant speed removal deals with the creatures on his turn at any rate, which is when you want your instant speed stuff. So this just disables your sorcery stuff on his tapped creatures, but it, the innkeeper's probably not tapped and then, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not that great. Is it? No, I mean, <laughs> he, he,
0: expensive, it. I don't think he does enough, um, He he's always going to be weak to removal and, uh, I, like, Overload doesn't target.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd probably be happier if he was a 2-2 two, two or something, you know, if, if he was a bear. If he,
0: if, if if he was there. if he was just a 2-drop, if he just costs 2 mana for 1-2, then that wouldn't be terrible.
1: But then, like, you know, you, what, what if you actually fine. just attack him with all your though? and he can't use sorcery speed removal to kill them?
0: Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's terrible. I'm not saying it's absolutely useless.
1: You're just attacking every turn, every turn. Uh,
0: Are you you doing that in Golgari or Slesnia?
1: I don't know. uh, I mean,
0: mean,
1: what if you scavenge on this guy? He's going to be what? You know, he's going to be a bit harder to deal with.
0: hmm. Well, I've yet to see him. Yeah, played once or twice, and he didn't. uh, His ability wasn't relevant in either game. Yeah. This is why he's dropped. I mean, this is this is based on experiences, not just me looking through the set again and going, eh, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Like he, I've seen him in a couple of places, not in my decks, and he hasn't he hasn't done anything. I've never had anything where the hexproof has been relevant, either. It's been instant speed removal, or I can just use a pump spell to kill your creature instead. Yeah, that's true. Um,
1: Combat you know. trick, or you?
0: indeed. So, eh, it's fallen like. I wasn't making my decks at any any rate, but now it's moved further into, like... <laughs>
1: <I'm>, <laughs> right. You never even considered them before, but now it's even worse.
0: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, you always like to play with cards, but even when I picked them up, it just didn't make the cut, so...
1: Yeah, I, that's one thing I find. Room. I always end up picking one up, but in, he, he's always, I'm always like, what can I take out? Eh, okay, that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's when you're filling the deck out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Um... Yeah, yeah, so that, that's my boom on my bus, the Doorkeeper and the Oak Street Innkeeper.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, the card that has risen in my estimations this week has been Dagger Drome Imp, the 1-1 flying lifelink for one in a black mana. He's, uh, I think when I first saw him in the set review, I was kind of underwhelmed with a 1-1 flyer for two, and I was like, really? One point of lifelink? Uh,
0: it just trades with a bird, which you can get half a dozen. Yeah, people.
1: exactly. That was it. That was my, my thinking. There's instant speed birds in this set. It's like, this is going to be rubbish. But, surprisingly, it's not. It's a 1-1 evasive life blinker. As soon as you get any way of making it bigger, like scavenge, or, I hate to say it, but even some enchantments, like, uh, the, uh, what's it, deviant glee, it's mm-hmm. called, is pretty scary on this guy. And, okay, you're setting yourself up for a two-for-one, but <laughs> like a three-power lifelinker in the air is ridiculous, like early doors in the game, you know? They've got to deal with it, or you're just going to get so far ahead, uh, you're just running away with the game, probably. Yeah. You know? And it's just a card that I overlooked to begin with, because it just it was just like a one-one-power guy. just seemed really weak, and I was like, meh. But now, he's my best friend. In fact, I think I drafted a deck online with uh, five of them in it. 'Cause wow. everybody else had the same reaction as I did to start with when I was just like, Ha, you don't want them, I'm gonna have them and I just had five of those guys and a bunch of uh you know the green black scorpions with Death Touch.
0: So Scorpion, yeah.
1: Yeah, I had three of those uh, and a couple of the Slitherhead guys, the Slitherhead, the one mana uh, scavenge guy. Scavenger for zero, yep. Yeah. And some other scavenge things, a couple of enchantments, and these guys were ridiculous. Just attacking in the air trading on the ground scavenging them up and uh, they were quite successful and I was happy with them
0: I would not have thought you could play with five
1: yeah that was maybe being a bit greedy
0: yeah I tried
1: I I just said this is my plan my plan is to attack him with two two flyers and make them bigger and uh, I went two and one I think so well that's
0: not bad I guess
1: yeah yeah happy enough and uh, the card which has gone down in mess, the estimations, was a uh, shrieking affliction. It's one of these ones. It's uh, not a yep. black card. I'll just have a quick check so we get this right.
0: I was going to ask what it does because I don't even recognise this card, which yeah. maybe says something about it already.
1: It's a one-man one enchantment, and at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, if that player has one or fewer cards in hand, he or she loses three lives. And I was thinking, yes, this is what was it? Was it Black Vice? Or the because it was like the Rack and the Vice from olden days.
0: Yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah,
1: and I was like, ah, uh, oh, yep, loving this. Because I was looking through, look, they've got um, Stab Wound, you've got Gutter Snipe, all well, these little incremental damages over time kind of spells. And I was thinking, this is ideal. So what you do is you set up a kind of defensive deck, you Stab Wound them. you have your Gutter Snipe so that whenever you cast a Discard spell, he's getting hit for damage as well. And all the time, he's his life toll's ticking down. All his creatures are kind of neutralised, or his relevant creatures are kind of neutralised by your stab wounds, and you never have to attack them, so you can't trade with with these things. This is what I was thinking, but I don't take into account the fact that everybody else at the table is going to be stealing your stab wounds, <laughs> and so yeah. that we're uh, shrieking affliction, and your opponent's sitting with that extra mountain that drew that he doesn't need in his hand, and you're like, well, that was a waste of time, wasn't it? You know, so this there's one there's something I've tried and it's never really borne fruit yet. I'm maybe wait until he's already top decking and then play it <laughs> instead of giving him the chance. But it's like oh, I'll turn one play, I'll play that. But it's maybe one you should hold on to later. So he's already emptied his hand.
0: Yeah, I I mean I've probably seen it before and I don't think I've picked one up.
1: Yeah, it's one that I was actually quite excited to play. Okay, but but it's, it just hasn't worked for me. I feel bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how, how do you get them to keep an empty hand? Yeah, the... Mind rotten. and return and...
1: See, I don't think it's a case of keeping an empty hand. What you do is you, 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 you've mind rotten them stuff during the game and hmm. they're forced into a position where they just have their top decking basically. And then you play this and then they've got to make a choice of do I actually cast this really good creature that I've just played, or do I take the three damage next turn? Do you, and it's yeah. just giving them an awkward choice, but the problem with it is you're giving them a choice.
0: And, and, and lands, yeah.
1: Yeah, and they can just sandbag lands and things. Yeah, But there's a few ways to make them discard, but it's just never really worked out for me, and I don't know if I'm going to pursue it any further.
0: <laughs> uh, th- this may- I think discard is going to be a thing in Gay crash, and this is just one of those sort of, oh, uh, like a seed. This yeah, feature, it, th- maybe. I mean, it, it, like, if you want to play the discard deck, which is in Gay Crash, then these are some cards you can pick up and return to Ravnica.
1: Yeah, because I mean, what have you got otherwise? You've got there's a the the one drop rat. Mind Rot, and I think there's a red-black...
0: Yeah, Rak- r- Rakdos has returned, but that's a mythic.
1: So. Oh, no, no, there's a two damage, discard two cards at random, red-black as well.
0: Oh, uh, Skull Rend, yeah.
1: Skull sorry. Rend, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Which is actually pretty good, because, like, at that stage of the game, you're not going to have a massive hand, you know? hmm But It's moved
0: down, so... Yeah. Okay. Um... Right. Let's move on to our group topic, which is about uh, lands, gates, and key runes. So um, I've been wondering for a while. Like, seventeen is always touted as the magical number of lands you should yeah. play in the draft deck. Maybe sixteen, maybe eighteen, but only if you know what you're doing. But uh, I was kind of wondering about this. Like, what, what's what is the difference between like running sixteen and seventeen? Like, and, and also with the, the new questions that come up, it's like how beneficial. Or damaging to your mana curve are playing guild gates. And then, there's a third question, but I'm not quite sure if we'll necessarily get onto that. But yeah, I was just wondering, like, what the difference is between, like, playing 17 cards and 16 cards?
1: Yeah, I'm not really sure. The, I think the thinking behind the 17 is uh, you're looking for, like, every third card on average in your deck to be a land so that when you actually draw your opening hand, see what you're opening seven, and then, say the ideal hand lets you play your fourth land down on turn four. So by turn four, you're going to have drawn between, uh, seven, ten, eleven cards. So if one in three of those cards is a land. You're going to have hit three or four lands. Isn't that thinking? I don't know. It's something well, like
0: that. I mean, I started doing the math. Um, I started trying to work out the numbers for this and, on average, and this is potentially rounding up, so it's it's not necessarily 100 accurate. But like, you should hit your fifth mana on turn five. Yeah. If you play 17 land, and we're assuming like you're not getting any extra card draw, and this is this is uh, this is averaging out, but you should be able to go turn one, one mana, turn two, two mana, and then all the way up to turn five, five mana.
1: Yeah. I mean, to, to actually have a one in three card, so if you've got a 40 card deck, you only Technically need fourteen land, I think, for every third card to be a land. But of course, that's not never going to work out. Like that so you try and hedge the bets a bit and chuck some extra in. But how many extra do you chuck in? Hmm. Do you, as, you know, like three seems to be the magic number, so it puts up to seventeen. But you know, it's it's a, it's the similar thing to um, how many cards are in your deck. You know, do you play forty one cards? How much how much damage does that do?
0: Well, I I mean, I was work, I was trying to work all this out, and I've I've created a couple of um. I to say charts, but they're not charts. They're tables. Create a couple of tables, which I will put up on our Tumblr, so people can see what I'm talking about, and they can look at this potentially whilst they're listening to this. Um, so I was trying to work out like what the difference was between uh, also playing and drawing, and then playing the forty-one card or the forty-card deck. Like what the differences were. Yeah. Um, I think I should, I'll probably start on just how much land you play. Um, like how how many turns would you say an average game goes on for? Um, like. 10 or 11, like I kind of feel maybe that's it in Ravnica, but uh, I don't know, maybe it's slightly less than
1: that It can go quite long I mean, it's hard to put your finger on it I mean, I played a Rakdos deck the other day, and I was winning turn 6 with it, just going guy, guy guy, guy, and then the what's the plus 2 all your
0: creatures Charge.
1: Dino Charge, yeah, of Charge win. And it was kind of like, yep, and I did that a couple of times, and <laughs> I was quite happy with myself. But what, what was your
0: curve topper in that deck? Like, what was the highest costing card you were playing?
1: Like, fours, I think maybe had a couple of six. Yeah, I think I had maybe one or two six drops, but I think they were just, like, expensive removal.
0: Okay, Um so, like, to give an example, if you're looking to play that sixth drop, you would never have been able to play in that game on average with a 17-card deck. With 17 cards, you hit land land 6 on turn 7. Yeah. But if you were only looking to hit 4, then you could go down to 15 cards and still hit, on average, land 4 on turn 4.
1: Yeah, but the problem is, on on average, you will hit it exactly then, Mm -hmm. but there's a percentage of the time either side of that, and what you want to do is try and hedge your bets so that there's more... It's like, how far can you push it before you start getting mana screwed more often? It's basically, it, I think, isn't it? Like, it's, like, it's yeah. fine to do it on average, but then there's a bigger percentage of time either side of average that you're going to miss that.
0: Yeah, this is the thing. Like, I, I, I was, like, I know I can uh, uh, approach this with my own personal thoughts, and I know that I'm never playing fifteen land because that's insane. Yeah. But I was thinking, well, I, I can, I can say this opinion, but if I don't back it up with something, then it's just an opinion. Which is why I did the maps. Like I'm not saying I'm going to be following this as like my new rule or anything like that. But I was I was just curious like what would happen. Like if you just crunched the numbers and saw what the averages were. Yes. Yeah. So um
1: I, th- I think that's it though. You you on average you will hit that like on average, but you you're you're you don't just want average, you want better than average. You know? Do you know what I'm saying here, buddy? You want yeah. you want, you wanna be you're taking the, the risk of getting a little bit screwed over, but that's worth it because more often than not you'll get your land drops when you need them. Hmm.
0: Yeah. This is true. Like, I, I, I realised, as I was saying, I wasn't going to follow the maths. So I just wanted to see what they were because I, I'm a scientist. It's what I like to do, I guess.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, you know, I, I, need to prove stuff with numbers. I can't just say, yeah, no, this is better because I say so and, you know, yeah. that's
1: cool. I can do that. I've got the skills.
0: <laughs> you, you, you got the skills just to give your opinion and say I'm right.
1: Yeah. Like, Chocolate's good, man.
0: What type of chocolate, I guess? Oh
1: no, you're, now you're, you've you gone off topic, man. We should go back to draft. <laughs> white
0: okay. chocolate, white chocolate,
1: Kinder Egg. The, the white chocolate inside the Kinder Egg. That, <laughs> that chocolate is the best. Um, so that's my opinion on that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely have moved off topic. Um, yeah. Going back to the 40 cards or the 41 cards and the player of the draw, one thing I found which was interesting, when I did the numbers, and this is again on average, and this will not always happen, you always hit your fifth land on turn 5. doesn't matter if you're playing or you're drawing, if it's 40 cards or 41 cards. See,
1: I I don't think that holds out to what happens in reality, though. Uh,
0: This this is an average, so...
1: Yeah, I know, but how often do you actually hit your fifth land on turn 5?
0: I've done it. Yeah, you've done it, but... The problem is then... You don't necessarily have the playables. Like, th- this is one thing I wasn't considering in this topic. Like, if I just say, oh, I can hit 40 land on turn 40, ha ha ha, that's good, but you haven't played any other cards except for land. I wasn't yeah. considering what your player's rules were. But apparently, on average, you you hit your fifth mana on turn five, which I was surprised about. Like, I didn't think yeah. that would mean the truth. Like. Five drops are so like, ooh, they're kind of expensive, and you only play a couple of sixes potentially, and then you kind of go, oh, I don't really want to go further. But
1: so how many lands is that in the deck um,
0: that you're working so, off of? So, of Seventeen cards in the deck. Uh, seventeen, sorry, seventeen lands in the deck. And either a forty-card deck or a forty-one-card deck. If you're playing or drawing, you're going to hit your fifth land turn five on average.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the one extra card really makes that much difference. Like, if you're playing a forty-one-card deck. I mean, if you've got your your deck way down, you've got 24 dudes, or you've got 24 cards which are all playable, and you need to add in your land, I'd much rather play 41 cards and have 17 land than, say, 16 lands and 40 cards.
0: Ooh, I did not think about, I did not compare those two. Do you know what I mean? Oh, actually, I potentially can, but, um, the yeah... Yeah, I think you you probably want to move into 41 over 40. Yeah. Now, there is one takeaway I can take from the um, table, and other people can look at it too, is if you're on the draw, you tend to hit your land drops a turn earlier. And if you're playing 41 cards, you tend to hit your land drops a turn later. Is what the maths roughly comes out to. It, it, I mean, it's just a guideline. People can just be aware. They can completely ignore the devices. Go maths, screw maths. I've got a subjective opinion, and I think I'm right. And to be honest, that is good for you.
1: Yeah, um, I, mean, I mean, I you're think, not wrong. I think the point to note is, that if you're on the draw, you have one more card than your opponent. Mm-hmm. So you're always going to be on one more card than them for the entire game, unless something changes. I mean, that's mm-hmm. it's pretty obvious, I think, isn't it, that you're going to be you're going to have you're going to hit your land first. You're going to hit everything first.
0: Yeah, the problem is you are, of course, playing half a turn after, and if they they yeah. you know they play out their death bridge goliath and then you play out your death bridge goliath, well they're hitting first potentially, and yeah, yeah. or um, not not that um, there was a particular card I thought of which I've totally forgotten. Oh, um, your archon of the triumph Rite. Like, oh yeah, yeah. It's a nice big flyer. But if your opponent's got one and he played it first and he's just arresting your one and your one's doing nothing for the rest of the game.
1: Yeah, so, that's
0: true. But as I say, I was just looking at land and um seeing... How so you was.
1: mentioned Gilgates before.
0: Yeah, um I also started trying to do the math on guild gates but I've, I realised that the equations for this were slightly more complicated. Mm. But it, it is easy to think about when you, on average, if you play a single Gilgate you're getting it on turn 20.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, because it comes halfway through your deck on average, and that doesn't really affect your mana too badly. I would have said no. Um, uh, at some stage you're gonna you're obviously slowing down how much mana you got available by a single turn. But
1: I mean, my thinking with guild gates has always been: I'll play them if I'm not playing a sort of hyper aggressive deck. Like so, so if I'm playing like a blue white uh tempoy kind of uh azores deck. Or uh, like the black white the black red uh, sort of Rakdos, Unleashing you know, just balls out attacking deck. Mm-hmm. Then I probably don't want Guild Gates because I'll feel really bad if I draw them in the open hand, and I have to play a land, and one of those lands comes into play tapped, and it means I can't play whatever card it is I want to play in, in the early stages of the game because I'm um, having to play tapped lands. I'd much rather take the the risk of. Having, having or just figured out my mana base properly and uh not needing to fix him because I've got the right dis- distribution of lands and only playing two colours. Like I probably wouldn't splash in an aggressive deck so I don't feel the need to have such a lot of colour fixing. But if I'm playing a more controlling deck the gold gates have, obviously have a place to patch up for things like splashes and, you know, if I'm playing three colours or like some five colour mess which just happens more often than, like...
0: (laughs) I I don't know if I agree with that. I'm just thinking that... Like, I'm not going to play, like, five Gilgates in my Rakdos hyper-aggressive Unleash Hit You For Tons deck. But if you get one in your opening hand, you you do get to pick and choose when you play it. Yeah. If you're playing that sort of aggressive, probably low-costing deck, then... It's not necessarily hurting you too much, I don't think. If you're playing it, like it's your fourth land or your fifth land, maybe if you draw into more land.
1: Yeah, but my, my
0: thinking is that
1: if you play, if you're making, you looking at your mana base and say you've got some heavy red creatures and some other black stuff. Say you've got something like Ash Cellar or something like something that's double red in the cost, for okay. example. Right, then you're obviously going to be weighing your mana base towards. Uh, mountains. Yeah. And having less swamps. Mm-hmm. So, in that situation, you've got to ask yourself, why am I putting in a guild gate? Well, because I'm putting in more mountains and swamps, so I want to make sure I can get black mana when I need it. But then, my, my train of thought then just says, put another swamp in. You know? So, it's, so instead of playing ten, ten mountains, I'll play nine mountains. And, like uh when you're looking at your guild gate and you can't play it you're thinking why didn't I just why is this not a swamp in my hand or why is this not a mountain in my hand you know
0: but sure obviously the problem is if you go why isn't this a swamp in my hand when you've got the mountain like you know yeah I suppose so but you, you may, you may have you may have in your hand the wrong land in which case you may go why isn't this a guild gate yeah but like, a- next turn you may not necessarily draw the correct color land but
1: in that sort of deck, though, you the if if you don't get that quick start, you're you're not uh sort of, you're not able to do your plan. Your plan is to get that quick start, and if you, if you're not getting that quick start for whatever reason, then you're falling behind in your plan, and your opponent's progressing in his plan. Do you know what I'm saying here? So if 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 you're the beat down deck, if you're the the aggro player. Then you wanna be killing him as soon as possible and those guild gates are gonna slow you down.
0: I mean true. They are they're definitely gonna slow you down. I just I'm not sure how big of an issue it is. Um like I say I probably wouldn't play more than one in a Rakdos deck. But it'd be nice to have just in case. And I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean
0: I mean are are you keeping a hand with two land and a guild gate? Probably. And then, you're prob- I mean, you got two turn... no, you got, let's see. You go turn one, then you draw a card for turn two, and then you draw a card for turn three, and then... Okay, you got two draws to get another land, I guess, if you want to hit that third drop on turn three.
1: Hmm. See, I, 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 but then what if you're looking at your hand? And you've got two lands and a guild gate, and your- your- your hand goes like, uh, Rakdos Cackler, Ash Zealot, and Splatter Thug. And you really just want to go, Dude, dude, dude. Turn up, like, turn three, you're attacking for tons. But instead, you end up going, dude, dude, Gilgate. Um
0: No, I think, well, for one, I'm wondering why you're playing Ash Salad. Well, actually, maybe not, but. I'm um, pretty,
1: pretty good. I'm just, it was just a random card I pulled out there. It's okay. I was no, just no. thinking two dropping, I was thinking of it earlier, so.
0: Yeah, I figured, Um, I would probably just go turn one, Cackler, turn two, Gilgate, turn three, Splatterflug, but.
1: Yeah, but, it's not the ideal play. In <laughs> an imaginary deck. Hmm. Yeah,
0: true. Anyway, I don't know. Um, like I say, I'd probably play one. But what? Ha- okay, what happens if we're playing a much slower deck?
1: Oh, that's different because hmm. the you've still got your plan, but in a slower deck, there's usually gaps in play. So you you get to a, you can be playing away, playing away, playing away, and you think, well. I've got a 2-drop here, and it doesn't matter... Like, it's say turn 3, it doesn't matter so much if you play a 2-drop and a gate. Whereas in a deck that cares about the tempo of the game, it does matter. Yeah. You know?
0: Another consideration is 3-colour uh, decks. Have you played any 3-colour decks?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, what, you're talking about straight-up 3-colour, not like a splash?
0: Yeah, I think so. Like... Have you played any proper three color, not two in a slash?
1: Yeah,
0: because um, I, I, I I think in those decks you definitely want.
1: Oh yeah, a yeah.
0: Shield. Yeah. Mean, I, I
1: seem to remember one of my sealed decks was like that, just because the pool was a bit over the place, mm-hmm. and the best stuff was spread across. But yeah, I yeah. There's a definite place, but the in those decks you have cards which stall the ground for you, and you know, like your your doorkeepers are. Um, just things that that slow the pace of the game down to the point where you can get away with playing them, and you can reap the benefits, which is having options. And the more options you can have, the better, really. And I suppose that's the upside of the the gates. They give you the choice of of mana. Yeah. Yeah. You know? it's, yeah. It's just it's just uh, when you can get away with playing them.
0: It's also quite good if, uh, you, you just go turn one, Gilgate, turn two, the third colour of land, and you're just now, your opponent's now going, oh crap, he's got access to all three colours now. Yeah. Who knows but, what he's going to do in subsequent turns.
1: But then going back to what you were saying earlier, if you say you've got one in your deck, on average, if you say you're hitting that turn... Twenty. 20 turn, yeah. Turn, is it really turn twenty? Because you're not drawing seven cards to start with. Is oh, it, sorry, is, but
0: maybe is, it, maybe it's, um, We draw twenty. So... Yeah, like, once you've drawn twenty, sorry, it's turn thirteen, I guess. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Although to be honest yeah, and uh average of turn thirteen is probably average of the last turn, I guess. I don't think you've got much yeah. turn thirteen, but um
1: really you're hoping to get get them in your opening hand and play them out like that. Just,
0: if you want to guarantee them in your opening hand, I think you need to play five. <laughs>
1: um I think that's a bit dodgy.
0: <laughs> yeah, unless you're playing one of each colour and you're playing five colour, in which case good luck. Yeah. Although to be honest, um people have been playing five colour and they've been doing okay with it.
1: Yeah. I mean, the more options you can give yourself, the better. And if you're playing more than two colours, you need those options. And guild gates are probably essential if you're wanting to make a smooth, uh, three colour, four colour deck. Like if you're just playing green good stuff, then you want probably as many guild gates as you can get your hands on. Mm-hmm. But green's got the defenders to back that up, you know?
0: Yeah. And, uh, there's also cards which seek out lands, which they can use as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right, so sh- shall we talk about key runes as well? Because obviously they come into fixing your mana and they obviously give you mana as well.
1: Um, yeah. Uh, what, what I like about key runes is they're not just fixing your mana, they're a- actively ramping your mana. So like turn yeah. three, you're playing an extra mana source, you know? Mm-hmm. And then later they're a guy. Which is pretty obvious. I mean, it does hardly needs to be said, but that's, that's it. Again, it comes in options. It gives you the option of having a mana, or it gives you the option of having a guy, and having more options is the best thing you can do for yourself, I suppose. Give yourself more options.
0: Yeah, I, I don't want to go terribly off-topic and talk about key as creatures, but I did, when I first looked at it, I did overly underestimate how good those creatures would be. Yeah. Like, I saw key as just a really expensive way to ramp. It's pay three mana to gain an extra mana, uh, and it turns into a creature which you're never doing, and that's certainly not the case.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's no worse than a Harrow. Kind of like Harrow was Three mana, I think, and you fetch the land. And okay, the artifact and the creature make it slightly more vulnerable than a land would be, but uh, it's still. I think it's three mana is a fair price to play, pay for them, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I think they're pretty good, well costed. Um, how many have you run? Three or more <laughs>
1: in a deck? I think you'd have to be pretty lucky to. Pick up three.
0: Well, I suppose this is maybe another consideration, but I, I don't know if I would consider playing more, like, I would probably play one for each guild I'm in. I'm not sure if I'd necessarily play, like, two.
1: Yeah. I, oh,
0: like, would you play double Celesnia? Just have a couple of centaurs kicking about at the back? Hmm. I mean, I would, like, certainly if I'm playing three colours, I'd quite happily, like, a key rune in each of those colours.
1: I suppose it really depends on the, on the rest of your deck. I mean, something you just have to, well, I don't think that would be ideal. <laughs> you know, you're probably, you're probably know. having
0: draft. You know, probably having a good draft, unfortunately, for
1: you. Yeah. and mm. like it depends on which Kieran as well. Like the one that becomes a flyer, maybe, and the the first strike one, yeah, maybe. But I mean, are you just talking about purely for mana fixing?
0: <sighs> yeah, probably. Yeah, like from like uh, like it, it, it is somewhat hard to ignore them as a creature, but a bit but, but a bit like how I've been ignoring how many playables you've got compared to lands. Like, yeah, just for ramping, would you have one key rune for each guild? Would you have more? Would you want less?
1: The question will be, how much ramp do you want? I mean, if your deck is wanting ramp, then you want lots of these, don't you? This is just more mana for you. So you can, if you can go like turn three key rune, turn four key rune. Then you're closer to your aim, which is get out some big ridiculous guy, or some big r- ridiculous spell. Mm-hmm. So if your aim is to ramp, then I would just jam as many in as you can get, I suppose.
0: Now remind me again, what rarity are key runes? Uncommon. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking. So, there is no first pick, world, spine, worm, then jam all the key runes, and then hope.
1: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're not, you're not, you're not yeah. taking it 11 with all the key runes. No, are but you? There,
1: there's other ways of ramping though. There's, yeah. uh, there's other cards that, uh, is there other cards that put a land into play? Is there one of the defenders puts a land straight into play? Gatekeeper Vine.
0: Gatekeeper Vine.
1: And there's one that gives you mana for the number of defenders you have. Is that Sorry,
0: that? Gate, Gatekeeper Vine puts it in your hand.
1: Oh, right.
0: Yeah. Um. I'm finding it hard to think. Um, even though I've played these colours, I haven't seen it. Uh there's Seek the Horizon, which allows you to put three cards into your hand. Um
1: Yeah, I think there's one one of the Defenders is like uh Zero Three Birds of Paradise but has gives you X mana of any colour.
0: Yeah, that's the Ax being Guardian. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's him, yeah.
0: Like he I am yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any cards which actually just put land into play, but uh I'm suddenly drawing a black, Let's see into play. No, I can't think.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's definitely a solid way to ramp up into uh, something bigger. So you, instead of hitting your land, your land fifth land fifth mana source in turn five, you're hitting your fifth mana source turn four if you've got four land in a key room. So turn earlier on that, you know, it brings out you know, which is the whole point of doing that, isn't it? Get your big guys out sooner. You
0: know? Yeah. Definitely. Have we exhausted this topic for now?
1: Maybe. Maybe. What what did we decide at the end then? but how many how many how many gates you, are you playing? Uh aggressive deck? Are you still, are you still sold on playing one in your deck and aggressive deck?
0: Probably. I mean if I'm aggressive I'm playing low cost creatures and and you know, if it is some case where I'm like turn three, I'm playing a guild gate, then I probably have a another 2-drop or a couple of 1-drops I can play instead, I'm hoping. Yeah. (laughs) I'd fail in that the next turn, I guess, I'm playing, like, a 2 and a 2 or 2 and a 3. Like, sure, I'm slightly slow, but then I kind of, I don't know, maybe i hopefully catch back up or...
1: Yeah, and I suppose the um, the downside of being colour screwed is maybe worse than losing a turn to a gate.
0: I I mean, if we're talking specifically about Rakdos, it's probably quite... Your last wearable color screw just because you got the cackler, and you've got the shred freak, who are both, you know, half hybrid mana. So yeah, you it's when it you it's when you start
1: going up the curve. There's a few guys, like some of the multicord guys, specifically need like red and black,
0: and like, especially uh, like uh, in the pre-release, I played Rakdos, hmm. who is double red, double black. Now he's cheap, but do you try hitting double red, double black on turn four?
1: Yeah, like, that's not happen.
0: Also, to be be honest, that is not actually the biggest limitation about playing him. It is actually trying to trigger his ability, I found.
1: Yeah. And like the thing with him, if you're able to successfully get the damage through, you're probably doing pretty well already at that stage. If your deck's doing what it's meant to be doing, then you're good already. He's just icing on the cake.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was also fun going, play Rakdos, then Rakdos hits, and then play um, the the Hellsteed for two mana. Just the coloured mana. Yeah. That was, that was, that was, that was my, I think my opponent just went, yep, because he'd, and he wouldn't, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. I mean, uh, yeah, pretty scary facing that down. Yeah. Um.
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, so, uh, sorry, for, for, uh, other decks, I'd probably want to play at least one guild gate of each, of the, each of the guilds. Yeah, I
1: think I, I, I can cover that. Um
0: think. yeah, if i got really, like, if I, obviously if you're playing, like, double, Mana across in each color. Then I think gates rise up in your estimation. But again, there's probably not that higher quantity to be grabbed because Gilgates are picked up reasonably fast. I've, I've, I think I've found like yeah. I, I haven't seen. I don't think I've seen any go round.
1: I don't know. Like they, they don't really get picked over um over much useful stuff.
0: You uh, know, <laughs> I, 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 well, <laughs> I haven't seen many go round. But maybe I've just mm. been in a funny seat or something like that. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Oh. No, because I mean, like even even like two drops, uh, two or three drops, I'm, I'd be straight up just picking a a blank two or three drop over a guild gate. You know, just a utility creature. Just, there's guess, my my bear.
0: I guess we differ then. <laughs> we we do. I, I, I guess I pick some up earlier than you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think I just don't like them that much because they're coming to play tap. <laughs> I tend to. I must be a pessimist. And am
0: I assume, I assume you'd be quite happy playing a Blood Crypt in Rakdos deck. Then.
1: Yeah, because it doesn't punish you for...
0: It costs you two life.
1: Yeah, but that's, <laughs> that, 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 that's a, that, that is a price you're willing to pay for the temple, you know, and you get, you get the, the best of both worlds, you know? Okay. You get the, the options and your, your speed. You know? Yeah.
0: Okay. I, I guess we're done. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay, uh, in which case we can just uh, wrap this up and uh, just like to thank everyone for listening to our inaugural show. Yeah. Um, if you do want to get in touch with us, I'll so just remind you again, uh, we're on Tumblr at delvingtodraft.tumblr.com You can email us at delvingtodraft at com. You can get us on Facebook at facebook.com slash delvingtodraft and I'm also reachable on Twitter at Ravak underscore, that's R-A-V-A-K underscore. That's the symbol, not the word. Um... Yeah, your hosts for this week were me, Craig, and you, Steve. And me, Steve! <laughs> the intro and outro music is by Kevin McLeod. The name of the song is The Cannery, and it is to royalty-free music licensed under the Creative Commons by Tributation 3.0.